There's really simple things that you would think, everybody would think like, oh yeah, these are being taken care of. Uh, you know, you go to the ER and you let's say you have some chest pain. They do a CT scan. If there's a finding that could be cancer, right? That needs to have follow-up. You would assume that that finding would be followed up to determine if it's cancer or not. That's the simple thing, the biggest problem that we really wanted to get after back in 2013, 2014 is, hey, if somebody comes into the ER, do they have cancer or not if there's a finding that could be cancer? Welcome to the Small Business Storytellers, the show where we dive deep into the stories and secrets of businesses focused on not just making money, but making the world a better place. My name is Seth Silvers, and my passion is helping businesses grow that are making the world a better place. Every episode, you will hear from transformational leaders and business owners as we dive into what has helped them grow and what has helped them stay true to themselves along the way. Also, every week we are hosting live conversations with our guests in Fireside Chat, where we give you, the audience, the opportunity to ask them your burning questions. So make sure to join us live on Fireside Chat on your mobile device. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Small Business Storytellers. Today's an exciting episode because we're going to dive into a world that is commonly dismissed by so many people as just like, it's too complex. It's too complicated. I don't want to deal with it. And so we just end up saying yes to whatever options people give us. Um, and that's the world of healthcare. So we're going to dive into the story of Eon. And I'm here with Dr. Aki and Christine Spraker, co-CEOs, which we'll also talk about. <laughs> Dr. Aki, Christine, how are y'all doing today? Doing great today. How are you doing, Seth? I am doing well. And Dr. Aki, I know you said you're calling from Salt Lake City. Christine, where are you at today? I'm in Denver today. Okay, wonderful. I'm uh, just north of you in Fort Collins, so oh, awesome. uh, it's always fun to talk to people, even though we're virtually, we're we're close by. Um, so today, I re I'm looking forward to diving into this. Like I said, because this is a complicated issue, like healthcare is, and I think the solution you guys are providing dives more into preventative um, solutions, which I think is huge, as opposed to just like curative and just you know going into the doctor when you're sick. Um, let's like help to figure out some things before all of that stuff happens. So first off, I want to talk a little bit about the problem. And so, um, Dr. Aki, I'll, I'll jump to you with this kind of first question, but I'd say that like healthcare in America is complicated. Um, and I know that a lot of the things are wrong. What would you say, like, how would you describe the piece of that puzzle that's wrong that you and your team at Eon is trying to fix? Yeah, Seth, I think it all starts with uh, kind of like a more global fact that the U.S. spends more in terms of its percentage, almost two times more the GDP than any other uh, advanced country. And then our outcomes are usually at the bottom of those, right? And we also utilize uh, the most technology. Uh, and if you look at our uh, mortality rates in terms of the average age, I mean, we're five years behind Switzerland and two years behind those other 11 countries. So mm -hmm. if you have you know, I think Americans think that we have the best health care, which I don't disagree with per se, but we spend way too much money double and we have outcomes that are at the bottom. So to me, that's the fundamental problem. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's interesting. And how did you two come together? How did this thing start? Um, tell me a little bit about how your paths crossed and where this idea for Eon came. Sure, I'll go ahead and start. So, um, actually, uh, Aki was a customer of my, customer of mine uh, many years ago. Uh, I was in uh, medical device sales. I'd worked for large um, healthcare companies, um, some of the top in really in the United States, big names. And he was a customer of mine. And I had noticed that he was diagnosing lung cancer at an earlier stage, which means his patients were having a, a higher likelihood of survival than really what the um, outcomes were across the country and other physicians. And he had this basic algorithm that he followed, and it was it was having a big impact. And so we got to know each other that way. He kind of brought me into his circle. He uh, taught me what his algorithm was. And it was so exciting because nobody else was doing this or very few people were doing this. But what he was doing was really focusing on a subset of patients that are missed, uh, patients who have pulmonary nodules that are found basically every day and they're missed for follow-up. And so he was just making sure that he was capturing these patients, having the expected next step happen. And then he was diagnosing lung cancer earlier. So that's really how we met um, and then, Aki, maybe you want to talk about how you came to have the idea to found Eon and and why we do what we do now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I, I had uh, basically since I was 15 or 16 years old, had dedicated my life to becoming a physician. And you spend decades or more than a decade training and then you get out into the real healthcare world. And um, you start to see what it is. And there's things that you think are simple that healthcare should be able to do, but they can't do. And the sequelae of them not doing those simple things cost, you know, patient lives. It, it costs quality of life. It costs extraordinary amounts of money. And as a very young physician who just started his practice, I started to look towards the market for solutions that could solve some of these very simple things. Hmm. And so, um, you, you know, that's really and, and there wasn't a solution for some of these simple problems that were huge. They're simple problems. And so, you know, just, you know, following up on something that's found. Right. Yeah. You what were some so of those? What were do? some of those like prob Those really simple things that you would think everybody would think like, oh yeah, these are being taken care of. Uh, you know, you go to the ER and you let's say you have some chest pain. They do a CT scan. If there's a finding that could be cancer, right? That needs to have follow up. You would assume that that finding would be followed up to determine if it's cancer or not. That's the simple thing, the biggest problem that we really wanted to get after back in 2013, 2014 is, hey, if somebody comes into the ER, do they have cancer or not if there's a finding that could be cancer? Mm -hmm. And so really that's like the genesis of what started Eon. And, and what was happening with some of those, like what was happening if, if people were coming in and they weren't being followed up, like... How is that falling through the cracks? And you would think like, I would think yeah. if I went in and they said, Hey, you might have cancer or something. I would think that I would be not excited, but, uh, I guess, uh, you know, vigilant about following up to figure that out. Yeah. I would tell you that, um, 
that's not the case. The vast majority. Yeah, well, ahead, I was just going to say, you might not even know that you had that finding. So let's say you're in a car accident. Hmm. You go to the ER. They do a chest CT um, for trauma. They don't find any trauma, but they found a pulmonary nodule. So that's the use case that we started in. And, and in fact, you're like two times more likely to find an incidental pulmonary nodule in a trauma CT than you are trauma. But they don't tell you that. They're like, good news, you don't have any broken ribs, go home. And so maybe then that report of your CT gets sent to your PCP. And then maybe your primary care physician reads it. And then maybe if they read it and they see this, they reach out to you. But they'd probably be like, Seth, you're young, you don't smoke, you don't have cancer. So you may never even know about Mm -hmm. this. Right. 70% of documented abnormalities don't get the appropriate follow-up. Huh. And there's many reasons for that, right? 70%. Like, think about it. Like, if you, we used to use the use case that if, uh, you know, 70% of breast lumps and mammograms didn't get the appropriate follow-up, it would be on the nightly news every day, right? Mm-hmm. But this happens all the time, and there's many, many different breakdowns in healthcare end-to-end. Yeah that you need to actually address to be able to fix these problems. So identifying some of these solutions earlier, obviously that would cost, you know, there would be more time and costs associated with that on the front end of the cost of follow-up, but then the idea is that you're saving way more on the back end because these problems are getting less urgent. Is that kind of the, the case behind how, you know, money is saved by the system and individuals in this? Yeah, and the reality is, is it's an administrative burden when you have a high number of these abnormalities that aren't cancerous or aren't catastrophic yet and don't need emergent, uh, like diagnostic procedures or surgical procedures or anything like that. And so the way our healthcare system is set up is that it's reactive. Our healthcare system serves those who are. Um, about to have an aneurysm that's about to burst. They need surgery at that moment. Our healthcare system isn't set up to track these patients over every year to measure if that aneurysm is growing or not. And so to your point, it is uh, an investment early on to have uh, FTEs or hospital employees who are going to actually track these patients. With our software, we relieve, we take away all of that administrative burden, and we make it extremely easy to capture these patients and to track them. Hmm. Yeah. So let's get into the solution a little bit. So I think I think it's amazing, you know, Doctor Aki, that you started seeing that and kind of developed a way to identify some of these things. Um, tell me about the moment that you realized, like, okay, there's a there's a product, there's a business behind this, and uh, how did that journey begin? Man. Oh, man. (laughs) So um, it was really a patient, um, you know, that was my age who had a finding, um, you know, and it ended up being cancer. And you kind of get pissed off, Seth. Right. And that was the impetus to really, um, you know, do something. And at the time, you know, you say things and you're like, hey, man, let's create an app. Let's fix this. Let's do this. And you don't really know what the hell you're getting into, quite frankly. Um, and so, you know, I think just being pissed off about a particular patient, it was the impetus. And then, you know, I think to know that we could do this is, um, man, that milestone was really a journey with 
you know, getting kind of burned by a big corporation that, uh, you know, sells into healthcare and understanding and getting kind of, you know, when you get punched in the gut, sometimes in life, you wake up, right, to what's really going on. And we had this saying that, like, there's a curtain behind the curtain, right? Man, that gut punch woke me up. And I was like, why not me? Why not us? Why can't we do this? And then, you know, just started going down that pathway of relentlessness to discover what the solution is and just being open to learning uh, along the way. And there was a moment, though, Aki, maybe you want to talk to this, where we were going down a a path of like statistical probability and you sent it to Mark Cuban and Mark said, um, that's research, not business. Figure out how to make it a business because... Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do anything. You're not going to be able to make any impact. Fifteen times, at least, he said it's research, not business, and no, at least. And 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 I didn't understand it at first. And so, really, what 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 he's saying is, and what really is a core now, you know, pillar of Eon is, is that you have to, you know, put solve something, solve a problem that helps the patient. But on top of that, you have to overlay <clears throat> financial benefit. An operational benefit. If you don't figure out how to put the patient in the middle of financial and operational benefit, whatever your solution is will never get adopted by healthcare. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get adopted, you're never going to be empowered to solve the problem and help people. So I would definitely say that, you know, being told that this is research, not business, helped us pivot the solution to, to actually, you know, save operational costs and help hospitals make money. But ultimately, you know, our core mission is to make patients healthier. And that's what we do as well. And I would argue, and not even, sorry, go ahead, Seth. No, go ahead, Christine. So, you know, our core mission is to make patients healthier. But the second part of that is to make healthcare affordable. And that's because you know, technology in healthcare is antiquated. It's built on, you know, some people with big companies in healthcare will say, I still have lines of code from the 1970s built in my software that they're selling to hospitals. And it's old and it's antiquated. And so we build software at a fraction of the cost. We're, and we want to pass yeah. that on to our customers. And while it may not impact the patient today or the overall spend today, we think that by using this approach, eventually we can help to drive down the cost of healthcare. Hey, Seth, she made a good point about fractional cost of technology. And, the, yeah. and healthcare needs to understand this, right? As the years have gone on, the, the cost of goods for technology has gone so far, you know, you know, lower than it was 10 years ago, right? right? And so that savings of what it takes to create technology hasn't been passed on to the consumer in healthcare. Yeah, and it's ultimately, been put in the like, pockets of tech of tech owners. And ultimately it's taxpayer money who subsidizes yeah. healthcare. Right. Yeah. I, so, so I'm really, you know, there's, I'm advocating for the increase of consumerism as well here too, right. because if patients understood the leverage that they have, then ultimately I think that healthcare uh, is going to change in terms of cost. Yeah. So you have this, you have this solution and you know this problem over here 
uh, and you have you know some development solutions, some you know this algorithm that you've developed, and then you kind of have the market. And, you know, you have all this research showing, okay, we need to fix this. How did you solve that question that Mark, you know, kind of presented to you? Like, how did you figure out how to turn all of that into an actual, you know, product that you can sell to somebody and make money off of? Not just so that you make money, but so that the business is sustainable and can impact more people. Like, how did you solve that problem of actually turning this into a business? Listening. I would say more than anything, um, you know, taking what we thought was, you know, something I, th I thought we had the utopic product back in 2014, quite frankly, that would solve the world's problems. And then you get out into the real world and somebody tells you, look, this isn't usable because of X, Y and Z. Right. right. And then, you, you know, and if you here's the deal, the real deal is, is if somebody doesn't pay for something, they don't value it. Right. And in and and and. At the point of 2015, before we had sold anything, we had done a lot of, uh, of really just prodding of the market and people that we had trusted who showed us what are our, our kind of realities of workflow. Hey, listen, like here's a radiologist who's reading an exam and you want me to go to a separate workstation for every one of these exams and, and look at this image segmentation, which I'm not going to get paid for as a doctor. Look, man, that's not going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though it solves a particular problem, like it wasn't, a, you know, you can't have institutional change at scale. And right. so all of those problems that we ended up trying to solve, we had to go back to the, draw to the drawing board and figure out workflow solutions that we could integrate that didn't impact the institutions that we were trying to sell into. And eventually we figured that out and we sold into a critical access hospital in Fruita, Colorado. And the Cleveland Clinic were our first two clients, if mm. you can believe that big range of people who <laughs> found value in what we had created. Yeah. And so how are they using, like, and Christine, what does the product look like today? Um, like, oh. help, you know, most of the listeners, they're probably not doctors and healthcare people that understand how all this works. Um, and so what does the product look like today? Like when a hospital says, yes, we want Eon, what does that mean and what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we provide insight to hospital hospitals and the care coordination teams who eventually treat patients. And what that means is they don't know when these patients have this abnormality. And so, um, you know, we utilize um, AWS. We're cloud ho hosted. Uh, when we first started, people thought we were crazy because everything was on-prem at that time. And they said, this will never work. Um, but guess what? We made it work. Uh, so uh, an end user or usually like a nurse navigator or care coordinator will log into our system and they'll just see a list of patients that have an abnormality and need needs a next step. So instead of being reliant on you, and are you guys, is your product developing, like identifying that abnormality yes. or is well, like somebody who's putting the data yeah. in developing? Yeah, great point. So when, when the patient has that CT scan, like that trauma CT that we talked about earlier, the radiologist is reading that report and they're dictating what the results are of that report. So they'll say, you know, there's no broken ribs. Everything else looks good. By the way, there's a pulmonary nodule in the right lung. 
And then our system, we have proprietary data science models. We use a, a discipline called computational linguistics, which is nobody else in healthcare is using computational linguistics. And we analyze those reports and we find those patients with this probability with extreme accuracy. I mean, in, 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 in an order of magnitude greater than what other vendors are able to do. And so that patient then enters into our dot dashboard and an end user like the navigator can see that patient and understand what needs to be what needs to happen next. And if hospitals really, if they're not using our software, they're using an Excel spreadsheet. So they're doing everything manually, right. which is crazy to think of in this day and age and how antiquated really IT is within healthcare. I mean, they're tracking yeah. patients on an Excel spreadsheet. It's crazy. So you're it's an group in the you know, this kind of so. dashboard that when they're, when they're processing this data from all of this, your kind of, your product will initially kind of identify who they should be following up with as opposed to those people just following kind of following through the cracks is that does that kind of paint a simple picture of it it does and then we take it a step further where we're able to overlay um you know some pretty sophisticated um like robotic process automation and some other tools that help automate a lot of the mundane or the repetitive test tasks such as sending letters, um, you know, things that usually require a human. And so we take all of that out of the work for those mm. hospital systems. We automate it and we create extreme efficiency in how we track those patients. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Aki, you were about to mention something about, you know, kind of your upbringing and how, you know, this is oh, just yeah. differences. I always get made fun of about this, but I grew up in the country in Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, I worked out in uh, Glenwood Springs, Colorado, out in the mountains. And uh, I always, you know, for those that aren't in healthcare, right, you fall off your horse and you go to the hospital and you think you may have broke your ribs, but something else happens, right? Something else is there, right? And so, what I'm, and in Roanoke, right, that's where my mom lives, and, uh, you know, people are using Eon there. If you go to the ED, our system, is going to know if there's anything outside what you originally went to the daggone hospital for. If you think you broke your ribs because you fell off a horse, but they found something else, Eon's going to know about it. And then here's where our product is now, right? The problem is, is that modern marketing, right? We get spammed as individuals four to 10,000 ads per day. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a general distrust as well. And then also PCPs are inundated with extreme information and alerts that come their way where they don't know what's relevant and what's not. Eon is a safety net that's letting these hospitals know every single abnormality that's outside what patients initially came into the hospital for. And then we combat modern marketing to let the PCP know what to order next in a, in a very standardized way with no variance. And then in addition to that, we combat modern marketing with overlays to get competency to the patient. Because when I, I get a call and you tell me you're from so-and-so, I hang up immediately within two mm -hmm. seconds. And we have multi-channeled communication that gets engagement from a patient that lets them know, hey, come back in in a month. 
come back in in two weeks because you may have something. And that's what the difficulty is these days is that it's a noisy world, Seth. Right. It's so noisy. And Eon combats the noise. <clears throat> yeah, because, I, I mean, it. it's a little bit different than, you know, getting a phone call and me being notified that I just want a, you know, a five-day cruise or a VIP stay at Marriott Hotels or that my Amazon account has been hacked or a- any of these things. Like you said, we just get calls all the time for. And so We're then, mixed in with that, though. Yeah, and so how are you separating? How are you trying to stand out amongst all of the noise with that? Yeah, it, it, it's science. I would say, like, to me, it's the most fascinating thing. You talk about research before, like, to me, this is research, right? So if, if you look at it, a patient who has a result letter needs to have a certain type of communication, whether that's a letter, whether that's a call, or whether that's a text. And you start to build a profile of these patients in terms of what you get engagement for. In addition, the copy uh, the copy for, you know, that means the language that you use, right? So what language do I use when I call to say, hey, Seth, when I first talk to you? Or, hello, this is Dr. Aki right. from blah, blah, blah. You know, right? and, and what is it actually that you can say and test A and B to figure out? And every patient's different. Every human being's different, right? So you have to create a profile for all the channels, for all the right language. That's the most effective for every use case to be able to get patients to actually show up for the right test. So it's, it's almost like inside sales to a certain degree. You know, there's all of this data out there that shows you have have to have at least 13 touches before you'll get engagement with somebody for an opportunity. We look at it the same way with our patients. We're making sure that there's X number of touches. We're trying different mediums, whether it's letters, whether it's texts, whether it's phone calls, and we study what works and what doesn't. There's got to be some amazing stories behind this of people that you've you know successfully gotten in touch with and helped them to realize that there's some things going on that require some attention like what are some of the stories that stand out from the work y'all are doing there there's too many to describe but go ahead. The, the best is the <laughs> best though is when um you know we get a message from a hospital that says oh my gosh you know we just called Mrs. Smith's daughter because we couldn't get in touch with Mrs. Smith and, you know, Mrs. Smith ended up having lung cancer. We were able to capture or catch it early enough that we could treat it. Um, I mean, we get those all of the time. And I think that as, as a company, we always focus our mission on, it's all about the patients. Patients are at the core of what we do. And let's not ever forget that the patients are why we're doing what we do. Um, Hey, hey, Seth, there's so many saves. I'm sorry. There's so many saves every single day at Eon and and with our partners. And I mean, it's it's been the most gratifying thing that I've ever done in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's this micro level uh, interaction that was extremely uh, rewarding as being a doctor. But being part of Eon with the macro influence that we have, I mean, nothing could be more rewarding than in, in every row of data is a patient. I tell our, our data analysts that, listen, that row of data is a real patient. And, and your work is making mm-hmm. an impact on that patient. Yeah. And, and it's just, right. to me, it's the most amazing thing. And, you know, I'll just say, too, like during COVID, I think it's important to note, I mean, the world stopped, right, including healthcare, which meant yeah. people going in for 
follow-up exams, et cetera. What we did is we stepped in, we actually ended up analyzing over 7 million records. And then we found 200 plus patients that needed some type of something within probably, you know, March, April, May, within those 90 days where everything was really halted. And 54,000 of those patients were what we deemed essential and that we got in touch with those hospitals or with the patients and said, hey, listen, I know things are scary, but the risk of you not showing up for this particular XYZ exam could increase the likelihood that your cancer progresses where it's maybe not treatable. And so, you know, when you talk about impact on a macro level, just 54,000 mm -hmm. patients that we were able to personally touch who were high risk during a three-month period, I think that that's just crazy and phenomenal right. and the most rewarding thing. Hmm. What's your team look you know, like? Uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, like, there's a lot of infrastructure behind this to, <laughs> to make this thing run. I'm curious to like what the, what the engine yeah. looks like. Man, the, the engine is ran by people who are fed up with, uh, you know, I think status quo and there's smart ass people. Uh, you look at our data scientists, they came off of Wall Street. They're tired of making people rich and they want to do something good in this world. And they joined us and they're doing something good in this world. We got people from big corps who were selling hardware for big companies who said, listen, like I, I believe in this mission and I really want to do something good. So our salespeople and our marketing team, uh, you know, are really driven by our mission. You know, we have uh, folks who came in from, uh, you know, they were teaching physiology and they were doing uh, psychiatry at hospitals who are now teaching how to use the software. We've hired end users. Christine mentioned COVID, right? About, you know, we have a whole section. The biggest growth of our company comes from because COVID uh, hospitals furloughed a lot of end users who were managing the program and the patients were abandoned. And we hired them into Eon to then manage these patients. And so that's a big portion of our company as well. I mean, wow. you, you know, it, it, it's an I think we have like a really good, diverse kind of infrastructure of folks, but we're all commonly driven by let's do something good in this world. And the other thing that. I'll say, too, from our dev side, we didn't hire one person who had healthcare experience because we knew how bad healthcare IT was designed that we wanted to approach it from a completely clean slate. And I think that that's what's made us so successful right. in our ability to implement. And we didn't even talk about data silos and how bad you can't even translate data from one hospital to another because it's so archaic. I mean, we didn't even go into that. But we approached it completely different than what healthcare has said, this is what you have to do. And we had pushback at first, but we were right about it. And it's, mm -hmm. it served us so well. Yeah, that, that's incredible. And I think, uh, you know, when I started my marketing agency six years ago, I did not have agency experience. And there were times where I felt like that was a plus. Uh, and there were times where I felt like that was a minus, but there were so many things that I looked, I looked at marketing very different because I hadn't been so inundated with like the big, the big agency marketing world. Um, and that's not to say everything that they're doing is wrong, but I think that's awesome that you have been intentional about prioritizing fresh perspective. And I imagine you've probably been able to solve problems and come up with solutions quicker because you're not having to work through all those like layers and layers of, of kind of the experience in the, in the system. So I think that's really interesting. Another interesting thing is uh, co-CEOs. 
Uh, has it been this, <laughs> that way since the very beginning? Uh, did you guys start that off? Was that just because you were like indecisive and couldn't decide who should be in charge? No. Like, how did this it's, happen? It's Christine's fault. No, it's Christine's fault because she just said no to being CEO. First I did. Of all. This is but, but for I mean, so. I back in 2014, I was like, what do I know about running a business, right? And you have a little bit of yeah. salary is zero and risk is yeah. high. You want to be but CEO? There's, there's I mean, a little so. bit of imposter syndrome at that point. Right. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, some of your own insecurities that you have to overcome and that's part of the journey. But I did say no. And in hindsight, I wish I had because, you know, and what was your background in Christine? Uh, business development and sales within healthcare. Okay. So I had worked for okay. large corporations for a long time. So, gotcha. So I came on. Uh, so yeah, um, you said no, and then kind of what happened next? So so in 2018, so Aki was you know kind of the CMO and the founder, and I was the president. And in 2018, we rebranded to our name now, Eon. And it was May of 2018, and we said, "Who's going to run the business?" And we decided that we were going to do it together. And I, I mean. Anybody who tries to run a business on their own, I say, God bless you, because, you know, Aki and I are yin and yang, but it works for the business. When I'm totally going off on a tangent about something, you know, he's solid and steady and vice versa when he's going off on his. And I think it's served us very well. And quite frankly, I think it gives us a competitive advantage. Hmm. Yeah. What's it? What what kind of your thoughts on how? Being co-CEOs has gone, Dr. Aki? I think it's gone wonderfully. I think at first you have to understand. So, like, you introduce a little bit of confusion, I think, as co-CEOs to uh, folks want uh, not – folks are used to non-flat organizations, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of folks, uh, you know, struggle with dynamic environments. And the market's dynamic. The world's dynamic. Right. So being in a dynamic world with co-CEOs, with folks who are adjusting to that, I think caused a little confusion when there's conflicting kind of directives out of the office of the co-CEOs is what I would say. And we were a small Um, team at that point. And Aki and I, instead of having really separate roles like we do today, we kind of we were an office of the co-CEO where we did everything together. And so there was there were times that it was conflicting messaging and that was hard that took us a while to overcome but we figured it out though i mean we did this thing where we say you got the wheel i got the wheel and then that worked for about a year and then really we did division of labor after that and once we figured out division of labor it worked i think it's working wonderfully um and you know for me too i never thought i would be a ceo i'm a doctor man i didn't want to be the ceo of eon up until like she said 2018 you know i was i'm a physician what do i know about running a business (laughs) yeah yeah are you still practicing aki I stopped on August 11th. I was at National Jewish Health here in Denver, uh, Colorado. So, so. last year, okay. 2020. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. 2020. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. So, I'm a retired physician. My mom was like, what are you doing? My mom was <laughs> no. so distraught. You have no idea, man. Poor mom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And is your family, is your family from the state, Saki? You know, they, they, uh, uh, they live in Virginia, and my parents are from Iraq. Uh, my dad was a nuclear physicist who came over, and they first came over to Penn State to get their master's. They saw somebody kissing on campus, and they thought Hollywood was shooting a movie, 
on the Penn State <laughs> campus the first day that they started school there. And then they went to Virginia Tech, and I, I'm from Virginia, and okay. that's where I was and born. He, um, they came in 73. Your mom's a mathematician, yeah, and right? Yeah, I ask because I've heard. Sorry. What was that? No, I was just saying it, it, not only is his dad extremely bright, but so is his, your mom is as well. Yeah, she's an engineer, uh, and, awesome. and they're both very, very bright and instilled reading really heavily into my DNA. And you'll, I'm a parrot, Seth, at, at the company. All I say every single meeting is read more. So, Yeah, no, that, that, that's amazing. And, and I've heard that, uh, you know, my family's been in the Colorado area for several generations, but I've heard that with uh, immigrants, with like immigrant families, that when you have immigrant parents that come up, that come to the States and then their, their kids go to school, find a reliable degree, and then they like change paths really suddenly. I've heard several friends that have been like, no, like your, your parent, your family doesn't get it. It's different when like people are coming over from another country and then you're a doctor, you have this successful career and then it's like, yeah, I'm retiring and I'm going to build build a business. It's just a whole different. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 that's what she calls this. My mom, she said, well, what are you doing? So it's just, (laughs) it's a horrible impersonation of my mom, but so where's this going? Um, you know, you guys are, uh, next month you're going to be featured as an Inc. 5000 company, you know, one of the fastest growing companies in the country. Um, I don't know how many hospitals, how many people you've sit, like saved, like it's probably, you probably even can't even count, um, some of the impact, but where do you see this going? We've mostly talked about cancer identification. Um, where do you see Eon being, uh, let's just say like a decade from now. Um, like what's the vision of where you see Eon being and like the role that it's playing in our healthcare system? Should we say it on three, Christine? You just go for it. Total domination. <laughs> yeah, total domination is where we're going. Listen, um, you got to empower uh, the right people. Uh, like we talked about having the wheel. Listen, and we also have this saying, Seth, that if it was going to be done, it would have been done already. And so it's our turn for the wheel. And we are the right company to be empowered to change healthcare. And it's not, you know, it was cliche to say, but it starts, we, 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 you know, you, you have to boil the ocean one inch wide, right, and one mile deep at a time. And so that's what we're executing on. And we get desired results and we execute. And because we execute and we've done that, we believe that we deserve that opportunity to, you know, be starts in tech. But why can't it be healthcare? Why can't it be mm-hmm. care pathway? Why can't we deliver healthcare, uh, uh, you know, to the world? And so to me in 10 years, man, like Eon, Eon, everything converges in healthcare around Eon. Yeah, I love it. Christine, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I think we want to own the patient care experience. So from patients seeking care to patients receiving care, we want it to be Eon. And, you know, that will lead to what Aki says with the convergence around Eon and Eon is healthcare. You know, we want to be the Amazon of healthcare. Yeah, I love it. And what do they know about healthcare? You know, (laughs) <laughs> well, they say t- they say they know everything about everything. They're trying to go into every single industry. Are, have you guys ran into much competition? Um, what's Absolutely. the kind of competitive I mean, landscape been like? There's, I think there's, um, you know, like this. There's a 
you know, thousand companies that are startups that are mushrooming and then there's big corps and then there's big tech. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the environment. And, and so I think that every company is doing what they have to do for their own survival. But you need to really evaluate all of these companies in terms of what their conflicts are to determine whether or not they can actually benefit healthcare in general. Right. And what we've done that's different than these other competitors is, is that we've kept ourselves extremely clean to be able to solve healthcare problems at scale and mm-hmm. save money and help patients. A lot of other companies can't do so that. So what Aki you know, means when he says, clean and conflicted and all of that is that, um, you know, we're the owners of our business. And so we're able to make our decisions for the business without somebody else who has another priority trying to tell us what to do. Um, a lot of startups go and raise a ton of money because they think they need to build a huge team from day one to then try to solve a problem and then find market fit with a product. And we were the opposite. We built it, you know, blood, sweat and tears, just ourselves and our, our CTO. And then, uh, you know, we don't pay people to have commercials about us, to get up on a podium and, and talk about us. We refer or we rely on making our customers happy and then our customers become our referral source. So it's just a different mm-hmm. strategy than what's out there. And, you know, there's been attempts to kind of expose or limit how big companies pay physicians and other clinicians, but it's just not really doing what I think it was intended to do. And so we're, we're trying to stay clean and non-conflicted and, and do what's right for the patient first and right. then for the business second. And it sounds, I'm not sensing that you guys like want to get acquired and like get out of this in the next like 12 months. Like I'm sensing no. more of like, you guys are wanting to build this and like stay involved and keep control for good reasons, not just like stay in control, but kind of keep control of what you're building. Help me understand why when a lot of people in healthcare, um, in health tech, they're like, cool, let's get this product, get some traction and just get acquired by one of the big dogs. Seth, we're not for sale. We didn't build a, we didn't build a company, you know, to try to get sold. Like we're not for sale. Uh, we want to, we want to solve the problem, Seth. But everything in healthcare, do. everything has a price, right? My data, your, all of it. No, yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, I, I think that if you look at it, we want to solve a problem, and if Eon can solve the problem, we're going to keep this going forever, right. and everything's going to, you know, converge on Eon. Now, if there is a alternative, you know, pathway that solves the problem faster or better than what we've set up at Eon, you have to consider that, right? right? So, so, but like. Like I told you, the mentality, one of our investors ran Akamai, which is, you know, a big company in the 90s still right now, right? And he told us that we're effing idiots if we run our company to get acquired. You have to run a company, you know, with that mindset of total domination to solve your problem. If you're solving to get acquired, what problem are you solving? And how much do you really care? How much are you really vested if your only goal is to get acquired? Well, I love that. And I love, I love what, what y'all are doing. I love that you're actually focused on the problem instead of just like, you know, okay, let's just cure whatever people are dealing with today. I love, I think more and more of us need to be thinking about like, are there indicators? Are there indicators in my life that something might be off? Um, and to realize that just all of those indicators aren't being addressed in the healthcare system and that we need 
products like you guys. We need solutions like what you're providing to be able to help to make sure that this is happening. Um, my brother-in-law right now, he's, you know, he's going through chemo this month for cancer and um, the chemotherapy is preventative after successful surgery, which is great. But still, it's like Good. he was lucky to feel like, okay, we, you know, we got this kind of early, yep. but you know, how infuriating, how sad would it be to then realize like, wait, somebody knew that there was something going on and nothing happened. Um, and that it wasn't even necessarily like intentional. Like we don't no. like you. We're not going to tell you. It's just falling yeah, it's through. Not intentional. It's just, there's so much stuff going on. And so yeah. I, I think that what you are doing is so, so important. Um, for listeners that want to get in touch with you, whether they're physicians or, you know, anybody that's saying like, man, I got, I got to get in touch with Eon, um, Dr. Aki, what's the best way for people to kind of get in touch with you guys and what you're doing? Yeah, I think www.eonhealth.com, you know, my emails, I think my emails on there too. I'm going to give my cell phone out, Seth. It's all good. I mean, listen, if nobody wants to talk to us, 702-300-5056, I did it. So there you go, man. Just, just give us a call. We're willing to talk to anybody, man. Like, like we can help. Awesome. Well, Christine, Aki, thank you so much for your time. And uh, it's wonderful to have you on the Small Business Storytellers. And again, like our- thank you. Our passion here is identifying, like, let's find businesses that are realizing that, like, business is a tool for good. It's a tool um, to make an impact, and it's going to be uh, thrilling to follow your journey over the next couple of years to see where it goes. So, Aki, Christine, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Seth. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Small Business Storytellers. If you've wanted to start a podcast and have been wondering if you can use podcasting to grow your business, but don't know where to start, I'd love to talk. Head to successwithstories.com slash podcast to learn exactly how to launch, grow, and profit from a podcast for your business. Again, that is successwithstories.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like this episode, share it with someone you know who would also like it. If you want to be a guest on the podcast or know someone who would be a great guest on the show, let me know. Thank you, and we will see you next time on the Small Business Storytellers.